minute even. Carr, snap, rolling right, lobs to the end zone. Morrow falling down, makes the grab! Touchdown Raiders! Foster Morrow diving, going vertical. And the Raiders with a much needed touchdown late in the second quarter, cutting the Colts lead to 10-6. Abdullah in as the tailback. Snap to Carr on the shotgun, back to pass. Climbs the pocket, eyes downfield, fires a strike to Devontae at the 25, breaks away 20, 15, 10, 5, dives, touchdown Raiders! Derek Carr on the run, delivered a strike, and Devontae did the rest. Raiders back in front on a 48-yard touchdown pass. Well, Jason. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, our favorite listener, Fernando, said on Twitter, I tip at Sonic only. They bring the food to the car. I tip there, too. I've never even... I've cons- never, I don't even go there, but I would. I've I never even considered tipping at Sonic. I don't go there. I would tip. Only if they come out in roller skates, because only a couple of them do. The rest of them walk. <laughs> <laughs> that's your... That's your... Uh, status right there? Yeah, occasionally, because it shows that you put more effort into it. It's a little entertaining, too. They're gliding around. Yeah. More fun than watching somebody walk. Also, higher chance they fall, which would be hilarious if I'm sitting there. I guess if I'm in a hurry, it might not be, but if there's, I'm not in a hurry and somebody falls and drops all the food, oh. Oh, uh, there's so many videos. Oh, that, yeah, if I, if I saw somebody fall on roller skates... As long as it didn't like turn into a 20 minute delay, I'd probably I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you a tip because that was funny and I will feel bad for you. You tip at restaurants. Oh, yeah. Yes. If if, yeah, you sit down and actually get served food. But if I'm just going to a drive through, come on, come on, not tipping there. That's exactly what Greenspan would say, because she has said in the past what you said before we went to break or maybe Danny said it. I'm not tipping just to hand me the drink. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, concession stands at sporting events. Right. And the little iPad. And it's like, right. do you want to tip the... No? What, what do you mean, do I want to tip that? I told you, the Ace is one. It wouldn't let me tip $0 or do no tip, so I left a one-cent tip. Felt bad about that, but like, come on. What am I doing? I'm just, I, you, you got me a water. Was the one-cent one, one cent tip a option, or you, you punched it You had it to in. manually put it in. And it, put wouldn't in one accept, it wouldn't accept zero. So I put zero, zero, one to make it. Did do they one see cent. it? I they mean, I'm sure to. eventually. They had to have seen it. I They already handed me my water. I was just trying to get the hell out of there and get to my seat. <laughs> like, you're just slowing me down. Like, listen, when you're at a sporting event, a concession stand, this needs to be quick. We got, we're trying to get back to the seats for the game. Not, ah, do you want a tip and all this crap? Ridiculous. Unbelievable. All right. Josh McDaniels. He talked yesterday. Um, let's play this audio. He got asked about Mark Davis basically coming out and telling Ed Graney that Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, look, I don't think anybody's happy with the results of the games. I think that's, you know, that, that that's always been clear that we, we all want to do better. Um, I think that, <clears throat> you know, I appreciate Mark's support. I've always appreciated it. I've said that a number of times that, um, you know, we all we're all here because of him and we all want to do right by him. And so um, I think that, you know, we knew when we came here that this is a long, longer term, you know, view of how do we get this thing to repeat, you know, and, and that hasn't happened here in a little while. And, um, you know, and this again, the immediate results that we've gotten so far, they they aren't they aren't what everybody's hoping for or wanting. 
Um, but I think we're, we're also trying to keep an eye on a lot of things that would go into how do you sustain it once you get it, you know. See, it's not, it's not easy to get, but once you get it, how do you sustain it? And that's not easy either. So um, the, he's been great to us, and I appreciate his support. Um, he's continued to try to give us anything we, we, we need or ask for to try to help us be successful, and um, I think I appreciate his long-term view on it too. I really do. What the hell? Is all of this long-term view conversation coming? That's what from you Josh say when McDaniel. you're two and seven. What is this? That's what you say when you're two and seven. Long-term view, rebuild, evaluating everyone, looking to the future, want to repeat it. That's what you say when you're two and seven. Do Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler think Raiders fans are dumb? Dumb? I'm not so sure, but I they are hoping like heck that Raiders fans accept the fact. That they're two and seven and they're building for the future. And as we've seen on some of these YouTube live feed comments, <laughs> I don't know if they've completely bought in. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler came to an NFL team that had won 10 games the previous year. They traded away their first and second round pick for a wide receiver that is 30 years old. They gave out a bunch of contracts to veteran older players like Derek Carr, like Devontae Adams, like Chandler Jones, like Darren Waller. They pushed a whole bunch of dead cap hit money into 2023. They have the second most dead cap hit money for 2023. That way they could have more cap space for 2022. You would have to be a moron to believe that when they took this job, they did it with a long-term no, view. They thought they were winning right away. And now that's what they're trying to sell. Right. And it leads me to believe they think Raiders fans are dumb. Well, they're hoping they're dumb. They're hoping that they buy into all of this and they keep spending exorbitant amount of money on tickets and keep, which Raider fans will. You said it the other day, 2-17, and 17, they'll still come back. That's the one fan base you can guarantee they will not maybe not like it, but they will support that team. I just I cannot believe that that can be a legitimate talking point about when he says, I think we knew when we came here that this is a long term view, right? So full of it. One of the biggest lies I think I've ever heard a coach say, and they lie all the time. No. Not once you, if you were taking a long-term view, you wouldn't have done the moves you made in the preseason. You would never consider trading your first and second round picks for Devontae Adams and then giving him what the largest or second largest deal a wide receivers ever got. Right. Because we talk about quarterback value all of the time and how it's extremely valuable to have a good, not even great, but just good quarterback on a rookie deal. That's true for all positions, right? It's more important at quarterback because they get paid sure. the most and exactly. it's the most important position. But that's true at edge rusher. That's true at wide receiver. That's true at left tackle. If you can get a good player at one of the primary or the, the key positions on a rookie deal before you've got to give them $20, 30000000 million, that's the most valuable yeah. thing you can have in this sport. And the only way you get that is if you draft guys in the first and second round. And not extend all those other guys right. who are older. Occasionally, you can get a guy in the late rounds that's that good, but Max Crosby's are pretty rare. 
And the Raiders traded away their two best chances to get that type of cheap player for Devontae Adams. If you were taking a long-term view, you want those two picks more than you want Devontae Adams. It's unbelievable to me that they're sitting up here trying to shift but the is narrative. It at two and seven? Yes. Is it that is it that is it that amazing that they're trying to shift the narrative? Okay. Do you believe Josh McDaniels is safe for next year? Yes. Then why does he have to lie? Well, because I think of the like you said, the best thing you said is the fan base. I think they're trying to convince the fan base that, you know, hey, we're rebuilding and we're gonna get, you know, it's gonna be fine and we're taking a long term view. I, I think that's why he, he said the things he said, and it all has to do with the fan base and the media and the perception of them. I don't think they've liked how they've been perceived, and too bad about that. You're two and seven. I mean, you're going to be perceived. <laughs> how you're going to be perceived when you're two and seven? Um, I just think he's trying to convince people of things that you and I and other people are saying. No, that's not right. You never said that. The way your actions were, it was a win now atmosphere, yeah. and everything you've said now is completely against that. So he's lying in a sense to. Try to convince people of a different narrative now that they're two and seven. If they're seven and two, he wouldn't be saying any of this. So, Mark Davis has made it clear that Josh McDaniels is going to be safe for next year, right? I guess something could happen and that could change. But by every account, McDaniels is back next season. Fans, whatever. I think maybe the more interesting one how does somebody like Devontae Adams feel when he hears his coach right. say, Hey, we're looking at the long term right. view. After he was traded for, given that contract, and told that you're here to win now, do you're you th- reunited with Derek? Do you think when they made the trade and then signed Devontae Adams, do you think the phrase "long term view" ever no. came out of McDaniel's or Ziegler's mouth? Not to him, not to the player. <laughs> no. Like, if I'm Devontae Adams, I Well, he's partially to blame, too, because he sort of forced his way out of Green Bay. He could have stayed in Green Bay, but he wanted to come play with Derek Carr. But if I'm Devontae Adams right now, my team now has the worst record that I think he's ever been on before in his NFL career. There was the Aaron Rodgers got hurt one year when he was in Green Bay, but I don't even know if they were ever two and seven. It's the worst team record wise he's ever been on. We've talked about on this show and Derek Carr maybe mentioned it or alluded to it that Carr might not be back next season. We know the contract and how they can get out of it. I'm sure Adams knows that too. So his college friend that he wanted to play with might not be here next year. And now the head coach of the team keeps talking about the long-term view. If I'm Devontae, am I forcing my way out of Las Vegas after this year? That I don't, that I'm not sure of because even with Carr, he's, I think he's, I think everything non-football wise, he's very happy with. I think he's really happy. I think his home life, he's closer to home. I think there's a lot to be said for that at his point of his career. Um, So I don't know if he'd force his way out just because Carr left. He wouldn't be happy about it. That's the reason he came. Yeah. I just like everything we've heard about it and with one main exception, right? The whole, his family could see him play because he's closer to home and all that. I don't know. If his grandma. Want, I don't know if he wants his grandma to see this team play. He's probably like, man, wish you could have come to Green Bay a couple of years. I was really good. and We were really good. But like just, if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm just like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not at all what you guys told me this was going to be. And if they, if they go through with what we talked about at seven o'clock, if it's a, we're getting rid of Derek Carr, we're drafting a quarterback, we're, 
we're looking at the long-term view. If I'm Devonte Adams and I'm out here like, so I'm here to make Bryce young good. Right. Like that's my job. Not, we're not winning anything, but I got to make Bryce young look like a good court. Like that's not what he signed up for. He thought, he thought he was coming here to win a super bowl with car. Yeah. That's the one to me. Fan base, whatever. They're angry. They're still going to be there, right? They're not, they're going always going to support team's been terrible team. for like two decades pretty and much they still year. show up and they still support right. him fan base doesn't go anywhere mark davis has already given you your assurances you're, you don't have to lie to him because you're coming back i'd be more worried about the players specifically guys like Devontae adams right like i wouldn't be worried about like chandler jones because chandler jones is a big part of the problem that guy right. hasn't been any good but if i'm josh mcdaniels i think i'm more worried about what i say and how that gets interpreted by a Devontae adams because he i mean they're not i assume they're not getting out of his contract Right after this season, they can they 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 would owe him some money after this no year. No chance. But I assume they're bringing him back right. next year. But man, it's just I think it's brutal if you're Devontae Adams right now and you're looking around being like, what the hell did I get into? The only the only good thing for Adams is that the Packers kind of suck too. Like it'd be it'd be brutal for Adams if the Packers were like seven and two. seven and two in oh. first place, going he, back to the right. NFC Championship. He'd be looking at oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Rodgers had found receivers. Right. Christian Watson was better for the entire season, not right. just this one right. week. Yeah, that would that's the only way that it could be worse from a football standpoint for Devontae Adams. But he can look back and say, ah, I'm the reason they were any good. Look at me. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. About 25 minutes from now, we got tickets to go see Pink. So stay tuned. Also, you could win $15,000 from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor the real estate guy. We are coming together to give you a shot of $15,000. That could be your rent, your mortgage for an entire year. You need to go to lvsportsnetwork.com and enter for your chance to win $15,000. You must be 18 years or older and complete rules are available at lvsportsnetwork.com. But $15,000 could be yours. And $1,100 will be on the line tomorrow. Yep. Uh, 745 750 uh, we're going to give somebody a shot, going to pick the winner of three NFL games. And if somebody finally gets it all right, they will win 1100 bucks thanks to uh, Dollar Loan Center and our Friday football frenzy. Uh, Bischoff's briefs today, though. There was a fun story uh, from the Bengals beat writer for The Athletic who talked to a bunch of players and coaches in Cincinnati about what happens at halftime. And sort of the, the way he set the story up, I thought was fun. He was like, we have camera angles of everything, right? We've got cameras that are specifically showing like the offensive coordinator in the booth, right? We see everything during an NFL game except halftime. And one of the biggest like cliches when we analyze sports and football is halftime adjustments, right? What'd they do at halftime to fix what went wrong and how they or how they blow it at halftime, right? That gets brought up a lot as halftime adjustments, and so they, uh, beat writer for the Bengals, basically talked to a bunch of them and said, "All right, so what what happens at halftime?" Uh, one of their players, their left tackle Jonah Williams, said, "It's very businesslike. I think fans would be disappointed by what happens." 
Um, so a couple of things that I thought was fun from this story. First off, they talked about coaches that are in the press box that have to get to the locker room. Right. Right. Basically end of the quarter, end of the second quarter, and you have to get to the locker room and it's like a 15 minute halftime. So you right. don't have much time to waste. Well, depending there. on elevators, you might be down there with six minutes left. Zach Taylor, head coach in Cincinnati, he said, the funniest one was Candlestick Park. The press box is high and far away from the visiting team's locker room. I won't name names, but some coaches that maybe weren't in the best shape having to run down and basically get one minute and run back. (laughs) I thought we were going to need an ambulance for a couple of guys. (laughs) I only went to one stadium. I only went to the stadium one time, but I remember in 2012 being concerned about the health of our crew. (laughs) Of the staff. So I... I wonder if your ability to quickly run or walk factors into whether or not you're in the booth or whether or not you're on the sideline during games. Have you seen some shots of the booth? Not always. I don't think it matters. It might not. Uh, I don't think it matters. My favorite one was um, Ole Miss when they beat Kentucky this year. They showed the defensive coordinator in the booth, and he jumped up to celebrate a play. And you just see his belly hanging over his pants from because, Ole Miss because yeah, because his shirt comes up a little high, and you just see his stomach hanging out there. Like, did no effort to hide that or anything. It was great, um, but I love the idea that there that there might be at some point during the week a conversation about all right, Johnny, you can't run very well. Press box is far from the locker room. Right. You just want to hang out in the locker room. That's right. fine. We'll get you on the headset. It'll be no big deal. Uh, so don't be a fatty if you're going to be an assistant coach. Um, but here's the fun part. This story talked a lot about food at halftime. Um, Sam Hubbard, defensive lineman for the Bengals, said, I walk in, pick up my honey stinger waffle snack. The weight room has them. Then I grab my pre-workout drink. I take some more caffeine at halftime that I make pregame. It's a liquid IV with caffeine. Quarterback's coach said, I'm a big Uncrustables guy. It's a game day delicacy for me. But if I'm eating, I'm moving. There's no time to kick back and enjoy anything. And then Stanley Morgan, who's a wide receiver, said, Rice Krispie Treats. Anything that gets me more hyper, stay regular, keep the routine the same. There's like four or five guys in this story that talk about what they eat at halftime. I thought they just split into position groups and talked about football. <laughs> According That's, to the story, isn't that what they, usually they do? don't actually talk very much about football at halftime. He's like, there will be like, times when you, you know, your coaches are going to say something to you, but the other key was bathroom. He was like, it's, you don't have very long. Once you get to the locker room, you've got to go to the bathroom right away. And he was like, oftentimes when the coaches are talking, there's a line, they're talking to 70% of the team because half the guys are going to the bathroom. Right. So you don't even, you might, they, they were like, you might not even address the entire team during halftime or even the entire position group because some guys are in the bathroom or guys are getting their rice crispy treats. The entire time. But here's my question on the food. Why don't they have food on the sideline? I mean, aren't you supposed to be more focused than anything on the sideline? Not worried about where you're going to get your snacks? It's football. You yeah, play offense well, or defense. You're on you're the lo- sideline for you're half You're looking the game. at those iPads. Yeah, but Marshawn had his Skittles. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> was it... Was it uh, was it Johnny Manziel or was it Baker Mayfield a few years ago that ate, tried to hide while eating a hot dog on the sideline? Uh, I thought it was Johnny Manziel. Okay, I think it was Manziel too. Like he's eating a hot dog on the sideline and he's like trying to hide it like so nobody sees him eating a hot dog. Why would we care? 
Because the outside perception is you're not focused. But on why? Football. I mean, why? If I, they I go ag- to the I bench, I agree with. I agree with you. I just, I, I, you're asking why, and it, the answer is the perception of other people. Like, I, like I don't it's think like Darren Waller going to the Aces game. What was the perception? Well, for I me, mean, it was the right choice. Well, I know, I know that, but game. the outside perception was preseason game stupid. You should be, you should be at a game. I, I agree. It's just, uh, I think that's why most people would believe that. Hey. You're more worried about hiding food than you are about what you should be doing, which is, I don't know, talking to the coordinator about why you just do this pick six. Like Sam Hubbard over here is like, before the game, I make this whatever pre-workout caffeine IV, whatever the hell he makes. Somebody else in this story talked about uh, having some beet juice drink that he has at halftime, right? Like there's a lot of thought for these players into what they're going to eat or drink at halftime. And to me, it's like... Just put it on the side. If you want a Rice Krispie treat in the third quarter, who cares? Like, this guy's a wide receiver that I've never heard of. He's not playing anyways. <laughs> Just let him eat a Rice Krispie <laughs> treat. It'll be fine. <laughs> Do you remember the Hard Knocks episode of the Raiders? Um, who was the offensive lineman? I cannot remember which one it was, but he was eating the fruit roll-up and was like trying to hide from people after a team meeting because he was pounding fruit roll-ups. No. Oh, it was a great, it was a great shot. Why was he hiding if it was a team meeting? I don't know, maybe because it was the 15th one he had eaten. I have no idea. But just eat the food. Everybody's fine with you eating a Rice Krispie treat on the sideline. Nobody's going to be mad. And here's the other part. Did you see the LSU game this weekend? They uh, played Arkansas. Yes, they played and it Arkansas. was cold, apparently. Yes. And LSU on their sideline had coffee and chicken broth. So guys could drink something that would keep them that would warm. would keep them warm. And, like, it was a, not a big deal, but it was, you know, was on Twitter. It was like, look at LSU. They got chicken broth on the sideline. It's a great idea. Why wouldn't you have chicken broth and coffee on the sideline if you're playing in cold weather? That was Brian Kelly? Yeah, look at him being smart. Wow. With the accent and everything. Yeah, the fake accent. Fake My accent. Family. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a genius. Ole Miss plays at Arkansas this weekend. It's supposed to be 15 degrees. Lane Kiffin better Lane have Kiffin some, better have chicken, some broth. chicken broth. Let's go. So I just thought that uh, thought the story was good. Also, you know, shines a light on halftime adjustments. Those might not be real. And the actual talk about adjustments in the story was like, sometimes coaches will scrap a play or something, but for the most part, we're just re-hitting the same types of plays that we plan to run right, pregame. Right. And he's like, we, we'll make some adjustments, right? Somebody, a receiver will say, hey, they're playing a, this leverage on me, so we should change this route or something. He's like, for the most part, it's the same stuff we plan to do pregame. Very rarely do we throw everything out and start over. It's just well, you don't have time. They're all in the bathroom. Right. It's just hey, we're going to make a slight adjustment you don't to have how time you run to do this anything. play. The other key part about football here, the same reason why I think you should be able to eat on the sideline. You don't play half the game, right? You can make the in-game adjustments because hey, you had a three and out. Now you're going to the bench. You got 20 minutes before you're back on the field. That's longer than halftime. Figure something out. So I couldn't find anything on Manziel or Mayfield eating it, but uh, Mark Sanchez is known for eating a hot dog on the sideline, too. Mark Sanchez, but that was a long time ago. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was uh, 2009. He's been on TV as long as he is an NFL player. (laughs) Probably longer. That should be perfectly fine. If I want to eat a hot dog, no, that should be no worry whatsoever. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkus is in studio. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. 
Oh, look at this. He's back in studios. The director of business development, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits of Nevada. It's J.R. Starkus. How are you, buddy? I'm good. It's good to be back. Yeah, look like, I haven't seen you guys in years. Yeah, Legitimately have not seen you guys in years. It's great to be back. Is that legitimate? I mean, I haven't. I have not seen you. I, I mean, I've seen you from a distance at like a Knights game right. or a, a football game, right? Like from an extreme distance, where I take a picture of you all the way scrolled in and I send it to you, and you're like, "Where are you?" You know. But uh, but I haven't seen you guys since right, early 2020. Fall, early 2020. Fall of wow. 20, because that was when I was doing my internship here, and. You one came the, in to drink on Thursdays? One of the days on my internship, <laughs> I was learning the board. And, and he was, in here, was making, here making drinks? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Wow. So it's been good. Cut two years probably, All right. guys. So you heard us talking about tipping. Yeah. Uh, you do tip at drive throughs I do. I do. Do you go out of your way to tip at drive throughs Like if they didn't ask or there wasn't a prompt, would you still give them? Well, that's the only time. I, I mean, if you ask, like if you're begging for money, that I, I, I'm really turned off by that. <laughs> Even being in the service industry, like if you're like, hey, do you want it? I heard you. Do you want to tip me? I'm like, ah, I would have. But now you're begging for it. So now I have a like it just irks, they- it irks me. I probably would just because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be penny guy. Uh, but I would probably tip them just because I was like, man, like, and I, I, but I might say something, hey, I'll tip you, don't, but don't ask, man. It's like, the just, world like, you come from. Just, yeah, it is. And, and, but I mean, I never asked anybody for a tip, right? I would hope that my service and the quality of what I offered you was worthy of one. But let me ask you this. You go up to a drive-thru. Mm-hmm. There's no tip jar. The person working doesn't ask you, and you also don't get a prompt on an iPad or anything. Are you tipping? You hand them your card, they give you like, your food, like you Starbucks, get your card You just back. hand the card, and they hand you the back with the drink. They're not asking you to tip. Do you say, hey, add a, add a buck? Um, well, I can, probably not in that instance if it's not, like, there for me. Uh, right. To be, to be honest, like, if but if, it's, if the question's there, because they are providing a service, right? They are... Um, you know, they, they're, they're making a drink just like when I was behind the bar, I, I made you a drink. Right. And so they're providing a service. I think they're working hard, uh, for, for that stuff. I mean, dealing with uh, customer service with guests and people going through drive through that is not easy, man. People are, people are ugly. So, you know, you know, I, I almost, it's not me, but I'm like, Hey man, here's, here's $5 for having to deal with all the rest of these knuckleheads that are in line. I know you've encountered them all day today. So see, that's know. difficult for me cause I've never carried cash. It's yeah. all it's all on the card. I mean, you know, I've done oh, yeah, this before well, yeah, with you. Yeah, how much money's the in the wall right now? Zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. right. I do have a I do have a business card. You have like an IOU. Game. The wife's like, here's an IOU. <laughs> like, I'll give you five dollars if you come home later and you can have lunch. All right, Danny, what uh, you were going to tell Jr. your tipping strategy while at a bar? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a strategy. It's just the way that I go about tipping. If I'm at a bar, if I just order a beer, okay. If all right, let me preface this by <laughs> this is the way I tip if I'm doing it drink by drink and I don't open a tab. Okay. Drink by drink. If I just order a beer, I'll toss a dollar. If I order like a Jack and Coke, $2. If I order like an actual mixed drink, 3 to $5, depending on what drink it is. Are you tipping based on how many ingredients are? It like, sounds kind like of, it does yeah. sound like yeah. it. Yes. Well, then you're so, about to, you're about to tip Jr. sixteen dollars. <laughs> yeah. So no. So okay. Here's my question then. I mean, if I go, if you go to a place where beer's more expensive, right? And the beer's ten dollars, you still only tipping a dollar. Yes. If the beer's fifteen dollars, are you still only tipping a dollar? 
if I go to a place and I order a Bud Light and that beer is fifteen dollars, you are definitely only getting a dollar. The degenerate. Okay, I think, but, I, think but, I agree with Danny. Okay, okay, one. but if you but that same place, a Jack and Coke is fifteen dollars, is still two dollars. Yeah, because no it's sense. because if I go to a hole in the wall bar and a Jack and Coke is three bucks, and then I go to a bar on the strip and a Jack and Coke is fifteen twenty dollars. Why is their Jack and Coke so much better than the hole in the wall? It's still the two same ingredients. Well, you're not tipping necessary. You're tipping for the service provided and maybe the bartender that's offering it. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Okay, so that same hole in the wall bar, if the beer's three dollars and, and and the mixed drink is three dollars, how is that different? Because it it more ingredients, like you said. <laughs> okay. You're tipping based on ingredients. Yeah, based on the work effort. you have he's, to, yes. do, the he's effort you the have effort to do to get the Just drink. That you give him that. Pop the top off a of Bud Light and hand it to Danny. He's saying, but a buck. if yeah. I if I am opening up a tab and my tab is fifty dollars, I'm tipping probably fifteen, ten, fifteen bucks. Okay, so. Anybody listen closely for this voice, Danny on the other end, <laughs> and insist that when you hear you that voice, you're opening a tab. You're not paying drink by drink. You will be opening a tab with me. Uh, that's how it's going to work. That's Yeah, pay attention to that voice. Hey, I, I even did the same thing when I would go to my brother's bar with all of his bartenders, too, so who he, I've formed relationships with. I mean, so obviously, <laughs> obviously, occasionally I would tip more, but yeah, that's, I, that's my go I don't go-to. have a problem with Danny's logic here. Of course you wouldn't. I think it's lo- I, there's logic behind this strategy here. I don't have an issue with it at all. Okay. Might be a little cheap, but I don't have a problem with the logic. Okay. You're yeah. good to go, Danny. Yeah. Don't listen to JR over here. All right. How many ingredients in your drink you're making? How many? How much is Danny tipping you? You're paying me $5 today. All right. $5. That's right. So, yeah, it's uh, you know Thanksgiving next week, and a lot of people are looking for something to do for Thanksgiving. Um, and so, I mean, I, I've probably done this. I've been on the air with you guys now for Gosh, I want to say, like, it's been seven or eight years, I think, total. And if I haven't done a wild turkey bourbon drink for Thanksgiving, I'd be surprised, right? Because it is, to me, like, the go-to themed beverage for, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right, the wild turkey bourbon, right? Why, why wouldn't it be? Um, I'm, I'm sure I've done a different drink every year, I hope. Um, but, you know, this, this year I decided to, of course, grab the wild turkey again. Now, Wild Turkey has a lot of different uh, varietals, so you can get Wild Turkey 81, which is what I'm using today. They also have a 101, and the 81 and the 101 is referring to proof, right? They have a rye, a Wild Turkey rye, or they have a Wild Turkey, an 81 rye and a 101 rye. Frankly, this drink will work with any of them that you so choose, um, but I just used Wild Turkey 81 bourbon, right? So this is going to be a shaken drink, and it's going to be served over ice. Um, and so I, do, uh, I did an ounce and a half of Wild Turkey 81 bourbon. I followed that up with a little bit of Cointreau. That's three-quarter ounces of Cointreau. To give it that kind of fall flavor, I used Liquid Alchemist. They have a uh, apple-spiced syrup. That's really nice that you don't have to do anything to. You can find it at the, the liquor store. So I did a half of an ounce of Liquid Alchemist apple spice syrup. And this syrup is quite potent, so you don't need to use a ton of it, right? There's also a little bit of sweetness in the Cointreau, so it will help to balance this out. We're going to add an ounce of lemon juice, and then two dashes of an aromatic bitter. Bitter. Yep, yep, bartender salt and pepper bitters. So you take all those ingredients, shake them together, uh, strain it over fresh ice. I did it in a wine glass for this particular one. 
And so um, you just garnish it with a lemon wheel. You can garnish it really with anything you want, rosemary. Oh, you got uh, to tip cran- an extra dollar for the garnish. Yeah, yeah for sure. This is going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, rosemary, cranberries, you know, anything that you kind of want to do themed uh, works works wonderfully. But if uh, you're trying to keep it really simple, just a, a lemon wheel will work wonderfully. And it's a great cocktail to enjoy and sip on while you're cooking all day. Um, drink in moderation because if you'll sit down for dinner and you will uh, – <laughs> You will be in trouble because this will get to you. But um, it's a great it's a great drink. I mean, I make all of these drinks. I taste all of these drinks myself, and um, and and this one I particularly enjoy. Is this so. what you're going to be sipping on while you're helping make the meal? Uh, well, my, I'm going to my mom's house, my mom and dad's house for for Thanksgiving, and they've put me in charge of wine, so I will be bringing wine for Thanksgiving. Okay. So yeah, so the vino, yeah, the vino. So I'll bring I'll bring wine, but I also come prepared with like the proper glassware. Right, so I bring like <laughs> nice, nice wine glasses with me. So I usually have two boxes. One box is wine glasses for everybody. It's not boxed wine. No, 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 no. No. Greens no, man. Do you box know how wine. funny it would be if J.R. Starkus showed up with boxed oh, wine? Oh, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, but there, there are that. some good boxed wines these days. But no, there's no boxed wine here. But I bring one box full of glasses, so everybody has the proper glassware. If you're drinking red or white, um, and depending on the wine that you're drinking, and then I have, oh, and then goodness. I have another box that's full of wine. Would At our be... house, we just drink it out of the Dallas Cowboys to <laughs> yeah, plastic, plastic cup. cup. Yeah, nice. <laughs> is there? I'm not much of a wine drinker. Is there different glasses depending on white wine versus red wine? 100. I do know yeah. that because really? we yeah. have those at the house. And there's also different glasses depending on the varietal of red wine you're, you're drinking. Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. Well, I just thought yes. there was red and white glasses. So you know, it's funny. I did a couple. I've done this a couple times now. Riedel glassware has many different types of glassware, and you'll look at it. And, and let's be like. If you're drinking a Pinot Noir, there's a glass for that versus a different one for like a, a for Bordeaux. For a cab? Or a cab, yes. There's a different glass, right? And it's crazy when you take three or four different glasses, right, and you pour it in the same wine. You line up the four glasses and you pour a glass of wine in glass number one. You smell it, take a sip. Then you take that wine that you just drank and pour it into glass number two, smell it and take a sip. You'll be blown away how different it smells and tastes. Because the glassware has an effect on how you smell it and how it hits your palate. So, so how about the Dallas Cowboys? Plastic? Yeah, garbage. Yeah. That's terrible. Exactly. Idea. exactly. That's so what, terrible you're, idea. what you're saying is I should step it up from the coffee cups that I use. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely step it up. But I mean, it, but it makes a tremendous difference. And so, I, my dad, skeptic in generally, you know. So I said, "Hey, try this." And he was he 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 couldn't believe the how much of a difference it made from glass to glass. And you do not need to be my father is a perfect example. You don't need a professional taster or somebody who drinks all of the time to taste the difference. It is very clear how different it is from glass to glass. Yeah. What's what's better, plastic Dallas Cowboys cup or coffee cup? I would probably go, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> if I have to choose between one of the two, I would choose coffee cup because at least there's a handle on it. I'm, I'm at the end. I'm at the end. Yeah. I don't the the plastic Dallas Cowboy cup. You just pick up and you drink. Yeah, please tell me you drink it out of a straw too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, exactly. we'll get you a, we'll one get... of those really hard hard uh, straws with little little men on it and stuff like that. I'm drinking it. Oh, oh, so you got the whirly straw. Yeah, yeah, yeah you straw, straw. The rolling straw. <laughs> we'll get you a Cowboys coffee mug so it has a handle. Yeah, we don't really do that, but we do have we do have the red. Your and wife white. has class. I don't know about she you. She has the red and white glasses. Yes. Now she doesn't. I'm gonna. Tell her when I get home, though, I didn't know you based 
Like it, it tastes different from a cab to a pinot based on what glass you have. I just mm-hmm. thought, okay, it's a wine glass. Yeah, no, it, it, and for most people that gets a job done, it really does. But if you really want to taste it, it, incredible difference, like take up any wine, take a Cabernet and put it into a regular wine glass that you have in your house and then pour it into a Burgundy glass and then pour it into a Bordeaux glass and then pour it into another glass. Like it tastes so different. From glass to glass, and and Riedel does a great job with with this with their glassware. They have varietal specific glassware. Does it get geeky? Absolutely, but does it make the t- wine taste better? A hundred percent. You'll so, be bringing all the glasses. I, yeah, I'll bring all the glasses. And I, actually, we should do that in here one time, or when we could, if we could drink in here or whatever. We'll do a <laughs> tasting in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind how different it is. But yeah, I'll bring all the glassware, depending on what kind of wine I'm bringing. I think I wow. tip for that. That'd be like a magic trick. You're like same wine, four different glasses, and it tastes Absolutely. different every time. Yeah. And and you're literally pouring it from the the first glass that you poured. You're just pouring it into the next glass. You're not even pouring out of the bottle again. You don't need to. It's like a magic trick. Yeah, that's great. All right. J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Come back, yell at Danny for his tipping strategy. Yeah, it's awful. I Good to be back. That. Yeah, thanks for coming by. All right, we got tickets to go see Pink to give away. She's playing at Allegiant Stadium in October of 2023. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Pink, be caller number 12 right now at 702-364-1100. These tickets are not even on sale yet, so you're winning them before they go on sale. 702-364-1100. Be caller number 12 to go see Pink. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Congratulations to Michael Johnson. He won tickets to go mm-hmm. and see Pink. Uh, Danny told me earlier in the show that he wanted to do something like Candy's Chonies. Normally when Adam Candy's here, he'll give out a number and whoever our co-host is has to guess what it is. So yep. you got numbers for us to guess? I do. All right. What do you got? All right. So the first number is... This is in the world of sports. We're not going obscure like the bird talk last week. Uh, so the first number is uh, 14. 14. And all I have is that it's in the world of sports? Yes. Uh, then... All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you another hint. It's in, it's in the golf world. Oh, boy. I'm not going to know anything about this. 14. Um, I have the number of live golf tournaments next year. No. Okay. I don't know. What else you got? All right. Second number is. What are you going to tell us what it is? No, the second Not number goes, it keeps going. I right? have three numbers and then I'll tell you what they and are. And it's all in the golf world. Yep. Uh, the second number is $74.9 million. Somebody's payout in the live somebody's, golf tour. <laughs> yeah. Not the live golf tour, but it is somebody's, somebody's payout. Career earnings or payout? It is someone's career earnings. Okay. Four, so 14, with the 14th ranked player? No. So it's career earnings on 74 million. 14 years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's been playing for 14 Rory years? Rory McIlroy. It is not Rory McIlroy. Okay. So Would somebody's like been playing for 14 years. They got 74 whatever million career earnings. All right, what is the last number? The last number is $35.9 million. That is endorsements? No. Is that their live golf payout? Yes. <laughs> Dustin Johnson. Yep. So Dustin Johnson. So in Johnson. 14 years on the PGA Tour, he made $74.9 million. This year on the Live Tour, he made $35.9 million. This is why people left for the live tour. Yes. It's 
He sim- made half of what he yeah. made in 14 years. Yeah, it's a simple answer. Like, I, I understand the moral objections and all of that, and credit to people like Rory McIlroy, who said, I can't do that, and fought against Refuses it and all that. that. and fought it. But I do not blame a single person that left for the live tour. No. I, no. That's ridiculous. Like, the, that number is absurd. Like, a really good golfer for over a decade made half of what he made in 14 years right. in one year. In one year. So the the breakdown um, of his $36 million, 18 of it came from the individual championship. And then... Did he win it? Yes. Okay. Uh, and then he also got $10.8 million throughout the years, or throughout the tournaments based on his individual performance. And then he also got four million from the team aspect. So when did the Live Tour stop? When was the championship? Uh I believe it was like two weeks ago. And when do they play again? They don't play again until I think it's March or April. So they get a massive off season too? Yes. Oh my god. And I believe next year they're trying to expand and add another four tournaments, something like that. It's <laughs> You work less. You, you get make paid more. more. And you're you get paid guar- more. And on top of this, guaranteed, he's guaranteed $125 million. Right. Even if you right. lose, you still make more you money. You could come in last place every <laughs> single week and make $125 million over 10 years. Oh, man. The PGA Tour is actually paying people more money, right? Uh, like, not as much as the Live Tour, but they have upped their... They've, yeah, that's kind of that's one of their upped, answers to this. Yeah. They're going to give more money. Their up. their payouts on certain events, not on all of them, but they've also added events. And now they're doing that one thing that looks like people hanging out at Top Golf. That's not till twenty twenty four though, right? Right. Isn't that even still more than a year away? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're what is it Monday or Tuesday nights? It's the hit into a drive simulator and then once you're on the green there's a real green inside of an arena that actually looks relatively yes, cool it that, does isn't that, I'll tune in. isn't that Rory and Tiger yeah yeah that was their that kind of stuff yeah they're coming together with the PGA Tour as like a it's a new thing to try and draw in more audience yeah. two hours so hey guys f- you just did four rounds join us on Monday which is supposed to be your only day off of the week to play another round yeah but it'll be fun Wish my Rory at home got me this much money. <laughs> Little bulldog. All he does is eat and sleep. Cost great. Money. Huh? It's great. It's <laughs> What a life. It sounds great. Living the best life possible, that, man. That's all my dog does, and my girlfriend makes fun of her, and I just say, hey, the dog's sleeping until she needs to be in active mode. That's right. <laughs> and then it's go time. Oh, your Rory's the best. Eat and sleep. I like that dog. I need some pictures of him. That's right. Send me yeah, some pictures. With the my, tongue out. He's my fiance sleeping. wants the pictures. Of yeah, course. The best. Tongue's out. It's the best. Cute.